The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast, the recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Benjamin Dolly. Virginia doesn't have enough nurses to examine people who've been sexually assaulted. The problem has plagued the state for years. But as Whitney Evans reports, state lawmakers want to set aside money in this year's budget to help fill the gap. A 2019 state study found that there are fewer than 200 trained forensic nurses, also called sexual assault nurse examiners, in Virginia. That's out of almost 94,000 licensed RNs. So many patients have to travel hours or go out of state to receive care. Aaron Earp is with the anti-sexual violence organization RAIN. That also means that survivor cannot eat, drink, change clothes for hours to ensure that the evidence of their assault can be documented and collected. These nurses provide medical care to people in the immediate aftermath of a sexual assault and also collect physical evidence needed in court cases to identify assailants. April Bennett is the only forensic nurse in Pulaski County. If I'm out of town like today being here, there is no coverage in Pulaski. Advocates are backing two bipartisan funding proposals that would help hospitals hire more nurses. Only two hospital systems in Virginia have full-time dedicated staff of forensic nurse examiners. Whitney Evans, VPM News. Yesterday, Governor Glenn Youngkin signed into law two election-related bills. One measure requires the state registrar of vital records to send the Department of Elections a weekly list of people who have passed away, rather than sending this information monthly. The governor's office says the change ensures Virginia voter rolls are as up-to-date as possible before Election Day. The other bill allows the Department of Elections to issue waivers for where polling places are located. Lawmakers say this aims to help rural communities that have limited access to public buildings that can be used on Election Day. Richmond may be blocked from having a second chance at a casino if part of the Senate's budget proposal is passed. According to the Richmond Times-Dispatch, the provision requires the state to finish a study on an alternative casino site in Petersburg before Richmond could hold another referendum. Multiple efforts to bring casinos to Petersburg and Richmond have been shut down this year in the General Assembly. Voters have already approved casino proposals in Norfolk, Portsmouth, Danville, and Bristol. A proposal was rejected by Richmond voters last November. William Fox Elementary School's insurance policy is expected to cover the entire cost of rebuilding it. In the meantime, Richmond school board members are allocating half a million dollars for renovations to wherever they decide to temporarily place Fox students. Meg Schifres has more. Following a fire at Fox Elementary School, the Richmond school board is scrambling to find a place for students. Superintendent Jason Camrus said the current frontrunner is Clark Springs Elementary School, but before students and teachers can move in, the building requires some repairs. The more serious issues, roof leaks, some plumbing issues, tile repair, and so on, I do believe can be addressed expeditiously. To kickstart this process, the board unanimously approved spending $500,000 on renovations to either that site or one of the other locations the school board is considering for Fox students. 
If those renovations begin soon, Camrys says he's hopeful that they will conclude in time for students to return to in-person classes by the end of spring break. Meg Schifres, VPM News. Hampton University locked down its campus yesterday after receiving a bomb threat. Campus police and local agencies swept the campus and determined the threat was unsubstantiated. The university resumed classes and normal operations later in the day. Since the beginning of the year, historically black colleges and universities, churches, and other institutions across the country have been the target of 57 bomb threats. According to partner station WHRO, the FBI is aware of the Hampton situation, but it has not said whether it was carried out by the same people who made the other threats. After spring break, wearing face masks will be mostly voluntary at the University of Virginia. University officials say students and staff will not be required to mask up at recreational facilities and venues like the John Paul Jones Arena. There are a few exceptions, though. Masks will still be required in classrooms where students and faculty are often close to each other. People using public transportation on campus and UVA's health center will also need to wear them. School officials say the new COVID-19 policies officially take effect March 21st to give the campus community time to prepare. Colonial Downs and several Rosie's gaming establishments in Virginia could soon be operating under new ownership. According to the Daily Press, Churchill Downs, known for the annual Kentucky Derby, has agreed to purchase the racetrack and six Rosie's locations for about $2.5 billion. Management says day-to-day operations would not be affected. The deal still has to be approved by regulators and is expected to close by the end of the year. The VPM News team is taking a deeper look at political issues in our series, Capital in Focus. Today, we're discussing a range of environmental laws passed by Virginia Democrats while they held power across state government. These measures include transitioning away from fossil fuels and defining environmental justice in state law. These efforts are now coming under the scrutiny of Virginia's new Republican leadership. VPM News reporter Patrick Larson spoke with our newscast editor, Sarah McCluskey, about the status of these efforts. Patrick, how are some of the newer environmental laws faring? Well, Sarah, right now, not much of the legislation has changed. Uh, Environmental bills have followed a similar pattern as other legislation this year. So the Republican House of Delegates and the Democratic Senate are sort of coming up against each other in a lot of instances. Uh, One example, this week, a small group of senators basically made it clear that a wholesale repeal of the Virginia Clean Economy Act wouldn't fly. That's the sweeping legislation that Democrats recently passed that requires the state's biggest electricity generators to transition from fossil fuels like natural gas to renewables by 2050. Republicans say renewables are too expensive and unpredictable to rely on. But it's not just Democrats arguing to keep the VCEA on the books. Actually, Dominion Energy, one of the most powerful companies in the state, points out that they've been planning to transition away from fossil fuels and that repealing VCEA would require a drastic recalibration of their business plan. Now, Virginia law currently defines environmental justice as the fair involvement of every person regarding the development of any environmental law or regulation. Have there been any efforts to change this, Patrick? 
No, not, not directly. There have been reforms that look likely to pass that advocates say would have environmental justice implications, like measures to remove permitting power from state pollution control boards. So just last year, we saw one board reject a permit for a pipeline compressor station in Pennsylvania County. They argued that the Department of Environmental Quality didn't properly uphold the environmental justice law in the permitting process. Now, Republicans have used this decision to frame these state boards as activists, and they've succeeded in bringing most Senate Democrats to their side. It seems pretty certain that DEQ will be responsible for these permitting decisions in the future. But I would also just point out that the Environmental Justice Act is a pretty simple one. It only offers a handful of definitions and declares that the policy of the Commonwealth be to promote environmental justice. But it doesn't say much about how to get there. So that is largely left up to government officials. And obviously, we've been seeing a lot of turnover in government officials lately. As with any new governor, Glenn Youngkin has changed things up. And his people will likely have their own directions for staff when it comes to environmental justice. What other bills have you been watching during this General Assembly session? There's an attempt to set aside about $20 million yearly to bring more electric vehicle chargers to the state through essentially what is a seed money program. Democrats argue Virginians will increasingly be driving electric vehicles in the future, partially based on legislation they passed recently that would require auto dealers to sell a certain number of EVs yearly. They say the state currently doesn't have the infrastructure to support commuters and travelers, particularly in rural parts. But the bill ended up being rejected by a House committee. The measure's not completely dead. There is another version that's still kicking around, but it's on shaky ground, to say the least. Well, that's about all the time we have, Patrick. Thanks for joining me today to talk about all this. Thank you, Sarah. That was VPM News reporter Patrick Larson speaking with our newscast editor Sarah McCluskey about the status of Virginia's environmental laws. We should disclose Dominion Energy is a sponsor of VPM News. This has been the VPM Daily Newscast. Some of these stories may have changed since the newscast was recorded. You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org slash news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyVPM. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.